Book Eleven, Part One of the Iliad of Homer, rendered into English blank verse by Edward, Earl of Derby. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Your reader, Michael Armenta. Argument, the third battle and the acts of Agamemnon. Agamemnon, having armed himself, leads the Grecians to battle. Hector prepares the Trojans to receive them, while Jupiter, Juno, and Minerva give the signals for war. Agamemnon bears all before him, and Hector is commanded by Jupiter, who sends Iris for that purpose, to decline the engagement till the king should be wounded and retire from the field. He then makes a great slaughter of the enemy. Ulysses and Diomed put a stop to him for a time, but the latter, being wounded by Paris, is obliged to desert his companion, who is encompassed by the Trojans, wounded and in the utmost danger, till Menelaus and Ajax rescue him. Hector comes against Ajax, but that hero alone opposes multitudes and rallies the Greeks. In the meantime, Machaon, in the other wing of the army, is pierced with an arrow by Paris, and carried from the fight in Nestor's chariot. Achilles, who overlooked the action from his ship, sends Patroclus to inquire which of the Greeks was wounded in that manner? Nestor entertains him in his tent with an account of the accidents of the day, and a long recital of some former wars which he had remembered, tending to put Patroclus upon persuading Achilles to fight for his countrymen, or at least to permit him to do it clad in Achilles's armor. Patroclus, in his return, meets Eurypylus, also wounded, and assists in that distress. This book opens with the eight and twentieth day of the poem, and the same day, with its various actions and adventures, is extended through the twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth, and part of the eighteenth books. The scene lies in the field, near the monument of Illus. Now rose Aurora from Tithonus's bed, To mortals and immortals bringing light. When to the ships of Greece came discord down, Dispatched from Jove with dire portents of war. Upon Ulysses' lofty ship she stood, the midmost, thence to shout to either side, or to the tents of Ajax Telamon, or of Achilles, who at each extreme, confiding in their strength, had moored their ships. There stood the goddess, and in accents loud and dread she called, and fixed in every breast the fierce resolve to wage unwearied war. 
and dearer to their hearts than thoughts of home or wished return became the battlefield atrides loudly shouting called the greeks to arms himself his flashing armour donned first on his legs the well-wrought greaves he fixed fastened with silver clasps his ample chest a breastplate guarded given by cinerus in pledge of friendship for in cyprus's isle he heard the rumour of the glorious fleet about to sail for troy and sought with gifts to win the favour of the mighty king ten bands were there inwrought of dusky bronze twelve of pure gold twice ten of shining tin of bronze six dragons upwards towards the neck their length extended three on either side in colour like the bow which saturn's son placed in the clouds a sign to mortal men then o'er his shoulder he threw his sword bright flashed the golden studs the silver scabbard shone with golden baldric fitted next his shield he took full-sized well-wrought well-proved in fight around it ran ten circling rims of brass with twenty bosses round of burnished tin and in the centre one of dusky bronze a gorgon's head with aspect terrible was wrought with fear and flight encircled round depending from a silver belt it hung and on the belt a dragon wrought in bronze twined his lithe folds and turned on every side sprung from a single neck his triple head then on his brow his lofty helm he placed four-crested double-peaked with horsehair plumes that nodded fearful from the warrior's head then took two weighty lances tipped with brass which fiercely flashed against the face of heaven pallas and juno thundering from on high in honour of mycenae's wealthy lord meanwhile upon the slope beneath the plain the trojan chiefs were gathered hector's self polydemus aeneas as a god in reverence held antenor's three brave sons agenor's godlike presence polybus and heavenly fair the youthful acamas in front was seen the broad circumference of hector's shield and as amid the clouds shines forth the fiery dog-star bright and clear anon beneath the cloudy veil concealed so now in front was hector seen and now passed to the rear exhorting all in brass his burnished arms like jove's own lightning flashed as in the corn-land of some wealthy lord the rival bands of reapers mow the swathe barley or wheat and fast the trusses fall so 
Greeks and Trojans mowed the opposing ranks. Nor these admitted thought of faint retreat, but still made even head, while those like wolves rushed to the onset. Discord, goddess dire, beheld rejoicing. Of the heavenly powers, she only mingled with the combatants. The others all were absent. They, serene, reposed in gorgeous palaces, for each amid Olympus's deep recesses built. Yet all the cloud-girt son of Saturn blamed who willed the victory to the arms of Troy. He heeded not their anger, but withdrawn apart from all, in pride of conscious strength, surveyed the walls of Troy, the ships of Greece, the flash of arms, the slayers, and the slain. While yet twas morn, and waxed the youthful day, thick flew the shafts, and fast the people fell on either side. But when the hour was come, when woodmen in the forest's deep recess prepare their food, and wearied with the toil of felling loftiest trees with aching arms, turn with keen relish to their midday meal, then Grecian valour broke the opposing ranks, as each along the line encouraged each. First sprang the monarch Agamemnon forth, and brave Bainor slew his people's guard, and with the chief, his friend and charioteer, Oileus, he, down leaping from the car, stood forth defiant. But between his brows the monarch's spear was thrust, nor aught availed the brass-bound helm to stay the weapon's point. Through helm and bone it passed, and all the brain was shattered. Forward as he rushed, he fell. Them left he there, their bare breasts gleaming white, stripped of their arms, and hastened in pursuit of Antiphus and Isis, Priam's son, a bastard one, and one legitimate, both on one car. The bastard held the reins. Beside him stood the gallant Antiphus. Them, as they fed their flocks on Ida's heights, Achilles once had captive made, and bound with willow saplings, till for ransom freed. The mighty monarch Agamemnon drove through Isis' breast his spear. His weighty sword descended on the head of Antiphus, beside the ear, and hurled him from his car. These of their armor he despoiled in haste, known to him both, for he had seen them oft beside the ships, when thither captive brought from Ida by Achilles, swift of foot. As when a lion in their lair hath seized the helpless offspring of a mountain doe, and breaks their bones with ease, and with strong teeth 
crushes their tender life nor can their dame though close at hand she be avail them aught for she herself by deadly terror seized through the thick coppice and the forest flies panting and bathed in sweat the monsters rush so dared no trojan give those brethren aid themselves in terror of the warlike greeks pisander next and bold hippolochus sons of antimachus twas he who chief seduced by paris's gold and splendid gifts advised the restitution to refuse of helen to her lord the king assailed both on one car but from their hands had dropped the broidered reins bewildered there they stood while with the lion's bound upon them sprang the son of atreus suppliant in the car they clasped his knees give quarter atreus's son redeem our lives our sire antimachus possesses goodly store of brass and gold and well-wrought iron and of these he fain would pay a noble ransom could he hear that in the grecian ships we yet survived thus they with gentle words and tears imploring but all ungentle was the voice they heard in answer if indeed ye be the sons of that antimachus who counsel gave when noble menelaus came to troy with sage ulysses as ambassadors to slay them both nor suffer their return pay now the forfeit of your father's guilt he said and with a spear thrust through his breast pisander dashed to earth backward he fell down leaped hippolochus but atreus's son severing his hands and neck amid the throng sent whirling like a bull the gory head these left he there and where the thickest throng maintained the tug of war thither he flew and with him eager hosts of well-greed greeks soon on the trojans flight enforced they hung destroying foot on foot and horse on horse while from the plain thick clouds of dust arose beneath the armed hoofs of clattering steeds and on the monarch agamemnon pressed still slaying urging still the greeks to arms as when amid a densely timbered wood light the devouring flames by eddying winds hither and thither borne fast falls the copse prostrate beneath the fire's impetuous course so thickly fell the flying trojans heads beneath the might of agamemnon's arm and here and there athwart the pass of war was many an empty car at random whirled by strong-necked steeds 
of guiding hands bereft. Stretched on the plain they lay, more welcome sight to carrion birds than to their widowed wives. But Hector, from the fray and din of war, and dust and blood and carnage, Jove withdrew, still on Atrides pressed, the Greek pursuit with eager shouts exciting, past the tomb of Ilus, ancient son of Dardanus, and toward the fig-tree midway o'er the plain, straining to gain the town, the Trojans fled while loudly shouting his unconquered hands with carnage died atrides urged their flight but when the sean gates and oak were reached they made a stand and faced the foe's assault some o'er the open plain were yet dispersed as heifers by a lion scattered wide at dead of night all fly on one descends the doom of death her with his powerful teeth he seizes and her neck first broken rends and on her entrails gorging laps her blood so these the monarch agamemnon chased slaying the hindmost they in terror fled some headlong backward some atrides hand hurled from their chariot many a warrior bold so forward and so fierce he bore his spear but as he neared the city and stood beneath the lofty wall the sire of gods and men from heaven descended on the topmost height of Ida's spring-abounding hill he sat, and while his hand the lightning grasped, he thus to golden-winged Iris gave command. Haste thee, swift Iris, and to Hector bear from me this message. Bid him that as long as Agamemnon in the van appears, raging and dealing death among the ranks he from the battle keep himself aloof but urge the rest undaunted to maintain the stubborn fight but should atrides struck by spear or arrow to his car withdraw he shall from me receive such power to slay as to the ships shall bear him ere the sun decline and darkness spread her hallowing shade thus he to troy obedient to his word from ida's heights swift-footed iris sped amid the horses and the well-framed cars the godlike hector priam's son she found and stood beside him and addressed him thus Haste thee, swift Iris, and to Hector bear from me this message. Bid him that as long as Agamemnon in the van appears, raging and dealing death among the ranks, he from the battle keep himself aloof, 
but urge the rest undaunted to maintain the stubborn fight. But should Atreides, struck by spear or arrow, to his car withdraw, he shall from me receive such power to slay as to the ships shall bear him, ere the sun decline and darkness spread her hallowing shade. Thus he. To Troy, obedient to his word, from Ida's heights, swift-footed Iris sped. Amid the horses and the well-framed cars, the godlike Hector, Priam's son, she found, and stood beside him, and addressed him thus. Hector, thou son of Priam, sage as Jove in counsel, he, the universal Lord, sends thee by me this message, that as long as Agamemnon in the van appears, raging and dealing death amid the ranks, thou from the battle keep thyself aloof, but urge the rest undaunted to maintain the stubborn fight. But should Atreides, struck by spear or arrow, to his car withdraw, Thou shalt from him receive such power to slay, as to the ships shall bear thee, ere the sun decline, and darkness spread her hallowing shade. Swift-footed Iris said, and disappeared. But from his chariot Hector leaped to earth, hither and thither passing through the ranks with brandished javelins, urging to the fight. Loud at his bidding rose the battle-cry. Back rolled the tide. Again they faced the Greeks. On the other side, the Greeks their masses formed, in line of battle range. Opposed they stood, and in the front, to none content to cede the foremost place, was Agamemnon seen. Say now, ye nine, who on Olympus dwell, of all the Trojans and their famed allies, who first opposed to Agamemnon stood? Iphidemus, Antenor's gallant son, stalwart and brave, in fertile Thracia bred, mother of flocks, him in his infant years, his grandsire, Sisius, fair Theano's sire, in his own palace reared, and when he reached the perfect measure of his glorious youth, still in his house retained him, and to wife gave him his daughter. But when tidings came of Grecian warfare, from the marriage straight embarking with twelve-beaked ships he sailed, that owned his sway, these on Percotes' shore he left, and came himself on foot to Troy, who now confronted Atreus's godlike son. When they drew near, Atreides missed his aim, his spear diverging. Then Iphidemus, beneath the breastplate, striking on his belt, strove with strong hand to drive the weapon home yet could not pierce the belt's close-plated work. 
the point encountered by the silver fold was bent like lead then with his powerful hand the monarch agamemnon seized the spear and toward him drew and with a lion's strength wrenched from his foeman's grasp then on his neck let fall his sword and slacked his limbs in death there falling in his country's cause he slept the iron sleep of death unhappy he far from his virgin bride yet unpossessed though bought with costly presents first he gave a hundred steers and promised thousands more of sheep and goats from out his countless flocks him agamemnon of his arms despoiled and to the crowd of greeks the trophies bore but when antenor's eldest-born beheld coan the observed of all men bitterest grief his eyes overshadowed for his brother's fate and unperceived by atreus's godlike son standing aside he struck him with his spear through the mid-arm beneath the elbow's bend and drove right through the weapon's glittering point writhed with the pain the mighty king of men yet from the combat flinched he not nor quailed but grasping firm his weather-toughened spear on coan rushed as by the feet he drew his father's son iphidamus away invoking all the bravest to his aid and as he drew the body toward the crowd beneath the bossy shield the monarch thrust his brass-clad spear and slacked his limbs in death then near approaching even upon the corpse of dead iphidamus struck off his head so by atrides hand antenor's sons their doom accomplished to the shades were sent then through the crowded ranks with spear and sword and massive stones he held his furious course while the hot blood was welling from his arm but when the wound was dry and staunched the blood keen anguish then atrides's might subdued as when a woman in her labour throws sharp pangs in compass by lucina sent who rules o'er childbirth travail even so keen the pangs that then atrides might subdued mounting his car he bade his charioteer drive to the ships for sore his spirit was pained but loud and clear he shouted to the greeks o friends the chiefs and counsellors of greece yours be it now our sea-born ships to guard since jove the lord of counsel through the day wills not that i the battle should maintain he said and swiftly to the ships were driven his sleek-skinned coursers nothing loth they flew 
with foam their chests were flecked with dust their flanks as from the field their wounded lord they bore but hector as he saw the king retire to trojans and to lycians called aloud trojans and lycians and ye dardans famed in close encounter quit ye now like men put forth your wonted valour from the field their bravest has withdrawn and jove on me great glory hath shed now headlong on the greeks urge your swift steeds and endless honour gain his words fresh courage roused in every breast and as a hunter cheers his sharp fanged hounds on forest boar or lion on the greeks so cheered the valiant trojans priam's son illustrious hector stern as blood-stained mars bent on high deeds himself in front advanced fell on the masses as a whirlwind falls lashing with furious sweep the dark blue sea say then who first who last by hector's hand whom jove had willed to crown with honour died Asius first and then autonous opites and opheltius dolops son of clytus and asymnus agelus and orus and brave hipponous all these the chiefs of greece the nameless crowd he scattered next as when the west wind drives the clouds and battles with the hurricane before the clearing blast of notus driven the big waves heave and roll and high aloft the gale careering flings the ocean spray so thick and furious fell on hostile heads the might of hector now had fearful deeds been done and greeks beside their ships had fallen in shameful rout had not ulysses thus to diomed the son of tydeus called why son of tydeus should we thus relax our warlike courage come stand by me now true friend if hector of the glancing helm our ships should capture great were our disgrace whom answered thus the valiant diomed beside thee will i stand and still endure but brief will be the term of our success since jove the cloud compeller not to us but to the trojans wills the victory he said and from his car thimbrius hurled through the left breast transfixed ulysses hand his charioteer the brave malion slew these left they there no more to share the fight then turning 
spread confusion mid the crowd. As turn two boars upon the hunter's pack, with desperate courage turning so to bay, those two, the Trojans scattering, gave the Greeks from Hector flying time again to breathe. A car they seized, which bore two valiant chiefs, sons of Percotian Merops. He, or all in lore prophetic skilled, would fain at home have kept them from the life-destroying war. But they, by adverse fate, impelled to seek their doom of death, his warning voice despised. These two, of strength and life, at once bereft. The son of Tydeus, valiant Diomed, stripped of their armor, while Ulysses slew Hippodamus and bald Hypericus. Thus Jove, from Ida's height beholding, held his even scale, each party slaughtering each. Then with his spear Tydides through the loins, Agastrophus, the son of Peon, smote. No car had he at hand, where to to fly, but, ill-advised, had, in the attendant's charge, his horses left far off, while he himself rushed mid the throng on foot, and met his doom. Hector's quick glance athwart the files beheld, and to the rescue, with a shout, he sprang, the Trojan columns following. Not unmoved, the valiant Diomed his coming saw, and thus bespoke Ulysses at his side. On us, this plague, this mighty Hector falls, yet stand we firm and boldly meet the shock he said and poising hurled his ponderous spear and not in vain on hector's head it struck his helmet's crest but brass encountering brass himself it reached not for the visored helm apollo's gift three-plated, stayed its force. Yet backward Hector sprang amid the crowd, and on his knees he dropped, his stalwart hand propped on the ground, while darkness veiled his eyes. But ere Tydides, following up, his spear attained far from the spot whereon he fell, Hector revived, and mounting quick his car drove mid the crowd and scaped the doom of death then thus with threatening spear tydides cried yet once again vile hound hast thou escaped thy doom was nigh but thee thy god hath saved phoebus to whom amid the clash of spears well mayst thou pray we shall meet again 
when i shall end thee if a guardian god i too may claim meanwhile from thee i turn and others seek on whom my hap may light he said and turned him of his arms to strip the son of peon but beside the stone that marked where men of old had raised a mound to illus dardan's son the ancient chief there crouching paris fair-haired helen's lord against the son of tydeus bent his bow he from the breast of brave agastrophus had stripped the corslet from his shoulders broad the buckler and the helmet from his head when paris bent his bow from his shoulders broad the buckler and the helmet from his head when paris bent his bow and not in vain his arrow launched tydides dexter foot right through it pierced and pinned it to the ground joyous he laughed and from his hiding-place sprang forth and thus in tones of triumph cried thou hast it not in vain my shaft hath flown would that deep buried in thy flank it touched thy very life so should our trojans lose their panic fear who now on thee with dread as bleating goats upon a lion look to who unmoved the valiant diomed poor archer trusting to thy bow alone vile slanderer and seducer if indeed thou durst in arms opposed to me to stand not would avail thy arrows and thy bow and now because thy shaft hath grazed my foot thou mak'st thine empty boast i heed thee not more than a woman or a puny child a worthless coward's weapon hath no point tis different far with me though light it falls my spear is sharp and whom it strikes it slays his widow's cheeks are marked with scars of grief his children orphans rotting on the ground red with his blood he lies his funeral rites by carrion birds and not by women paid thus while he spoke ulysses spearman bold drew near and stood before him he behind sat down protected and from out his foot the arrow drew whereat sharp anguish shot through all his flesh and mounting on his car he bade his faithful charioteer in haste drive to the ships for pain weighed down his soul alone ulysses stood of all the greeks not one beside him all were panic-struck then with his spirits perturbed he communed thus me miserable which way shall i choose twere ill indeed that i should turn to flight 
by hostile numbers daunted yet twere worse here to be caught alone and saturn's son with panic fear the other greeks hath filled yet why my soul admit these thoughts as these i know that cowards from the battle fly but he who boasts a warrior's name must learn wounded or wounding firmly still to stand while in his mind and spirit thus he mused onward the bucklered ranks of trojans came and to their harm encircled him around as when a boar by dogs and stalwart youths attacked the sheltering thicket leaves and whets the tusks that gleam beneath his curved jaws they crowd about though ring his clattering tusks and fearful though it be await his rush so crowded round ulysses dear to jove the trojans he with brandished spear aloft sprang forth and through the shoulder from above Deopites wounded thoan next he slew and enomus then with his spear cerecydemus in act to quit his car thrust through the loins below his bossy shield prone in the dust he clutched the blood-stained soil from these he turned and wounded with his spear Carops, the high-born Socus's brother, son of Hippasus, then forward sprang to aid his brother, godlike Socus. Close he stood before Ulysses and addressed him thus: Far-famed Ulysses, as in arms. In wiles unwearied thou this day o'er both the sons of Hippasus, to mighty warriors slain, and of their armor spoiled, shalt make thy boast, or by my spear thyself shalt lose thy life. He said, and on the shield's broad circle struck. Through the bright shield the sturdy weapon drove, and through the rich wrought baldric, from the ribs tearing the flesh away. But Pallas seized and turned it from the vital parts aside. The wound Ulysses knew was not to death, and back he drew, and thus to Socus cried ill-fated thou thy doom hath found thee now me hast thou hindered from the war a while but thee to swift destruction and dark death this day i doom great glory of thee subdued shall i obtain and hades take thy soul thus he and Socus, turning, sought to fly. But as he turned him round, Ulysses' spear behind his neck, between the shoulder-blades, was driven, 
and through his chest. Thundering he fell, and o'er his fall, Ulysses, vaunting thus. Socus, thou son of warlike Hippasus, here hast thou found, nor couldst escape thy doom. Ill-fated thou, nor sire's nor mother's hand shall gather up thy bones, but carrion birds o'er thee shall flap their baleful wings, and tear thy mangled flesh. For me, whene'er I die, the sons of Greece will build my funeral pyre. From out his flesh, and from the bossy shield, the spear of Socus, as he spoke, he drew, and as he drew it forth, out gushed his blood, with anguish keen. End of Book Eleven, Part One